Welcome back to another episode of Hog in the Mic. I am your host, Tucker Partridge, along with my co-host, Saul Malone. Say hello, Saul Malone. What's up, everybody? Glad to be here. Glad to have Arkansas football back on the schedule versus Missouri. That's right. After a week off, we got a football game this weekend. And not only is it a football game, many are saying it's the football game. I'm, of course, many referring are saying to... This. The Battle Line Rivalry, presented by Shelter Insurance. But Saul and I didn't feel comfortable discussing this alone. You see, it's a time where we need to reach across the aisle and just make some dang compromises for once and do something about this dang deficit. So we're bringing in SB Nation's Rock M Nation's Nate Edwards. I'm here to talk about Missouri. My name is Nate Edwards. I'm here to talk about Missouri. The football, not the state. And we are so happy that you are. I'm happy to be here, guys. So I have a question, Nate. Why should I care about this rivalry? Um, You should care about it because our Lord and Savior Shelter Insurance made a trophy about it. (laughs) And that made it way more important than any other game on your schedule. Um, Other than that, I mean, truthfully, not really. We record the, you know, we, we recruit the same guys and we shared the same hillbillies, but other than that, uh, it's just like any other cross divisional game, really. I'm sold. You sold me. I'm in. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about skipping it, but now I'm in. You know, I was like, well, maybe I'll watch this here, but now I'm I'm officially on board with the Battle Line rivalry presented by Shelter Insurance. Uh, Nate, I've got a question for you, um, and for Missouri fans in general, because. You guys have actually had some pretty impressive wins this year, um, have looked good in games, but the one game that me and Tucker kind of could not figure out for you guys um, was when you guys lost to Tennessee. Oh, um, yeah. And we are curious about this game because I think it's reflective of how you guys feel about your program as a whole because it's kind of like our LSU game where that's a game that you feel like you probably should have won and you didn't. Um, so our, my question is, like, what happened in that game and like how is that reflective of your season and and why was it so frustrating as a Mizzou fan to lose to Tennessee this year? Well, I mean, the biggest thing is is look at Tennessee now. They've completely fallen apart. I, I stopped really keeping track of what the Volunteers were doing after they beat us. Um, I just kind of figured they'd run away with second place. But, you know, during that game, Tennessee's offensive line was just absolutely dominant. Uh, if you looked at their performance, and I, I'm, I'm assuming they have not even come close to this, uh, since then, but they were averaging f- over five yards per carry. Um, their offensive line was opening up four yard holds nearly half the time that they ran the ball. And basically 53% of the time they were getting successful plays on the ground. They just completely manhandled our defensive line. And our, our line has not looked that bad since, even with a bunch of COVID injury related stuff going out. But the other thing that happened was that we were still starting uh, TCU transfer Sean Robinson at quarterback. And that dude played the entire first half, or sorry, first quarter. Our first quarter success rate was 22%. So of the like 20 plays that we ran, only 22% were going anywhere. It was in the second quarter when Connor Bazelak came in and everyone went, oh, hey, yeah, this kid can move the ball, actually. So then we stuck with Connor and it was all over at that point. But by the time we got to that point, Tennessee was already up big. We had to throw it a lot. We weren't doing very well throwing the ball anyway. And it just... It was an early season hiccup for uh, a brand new coaching staff with a roster that was still getting used to 
to the entire style and everything, and Tennessee just bowed us over. Tip of the cap to them, but uh, I really wish we would have played them, you know, now instead of yeah. second game of the year. Uh, I one of the interesting things in this game, I guess, to kind of talk about maybe why this could be kind of a fun rivalry game is that our current defensive coordinator is a former defensive coordinator and head coach of Missouri and former Tiger himself. How do Mizzou fans remember Barry Odom? Jeez. How do we remember Barry Odom? Um, well, it, it, it depends on the it depends on the faction that you are asking. There is a noticeable group that thinks that he should not have been fired. I was one of those, by the way. As was I. As was I. And I, I was only in that manner because I know this program doesn't have the money to buy a surefire replacement. Like at the time. Like, if you can't get a guaranteed thing that's better, then why do it in the first place? And, you know, the, the entire – I think the university is loaning the athletic department money f- to pay uh, for Eli Drinkwitz, and then, oh, yeah, COVID happened. <laughs> so it wasn't, like, the wisest financial move, um, but obviously it worked out. So there's also a very vocal faction who's kind of anti-Barry. It was like, hey, yeah, this guy sucked. <laughs> I mean, look, look what Eli Drinkwitz can do in, you know, seven games with Barry's guys. And – what was Barry doing? And and so it was just it's it's mixed. I think a lot of people at this point, because Eli has done so well, people are trending more towards, hey, you know, Odom, thanks for taking over. You you took the job when really no one else would. You kind of treaded water for a couple of years and it wasn't gonna work out. So thank you. I don't think there's a lot of bad blood there. In fact, I would I would venture a guess that there's really no bad blood between Missouri and Barry at all on either side. I think Barry's still is proud of his alma mater and loves the school. I think just Odom hates the hell out of, out of our athletic <laughs> director, Jim Sterk. Um, and if you trust the rumors, and I do because the sources are very uh, reputable, basically uh, during during <laughs> the third five-game losing streak of Barry Odom's career, um, he went to Jim Sterk's office and said, hey, I need a, I need a, uh, a vote, vote of confidence and a public vote of confidence. And Sterk said, well, I don't think you've earned it yet. Um, but I'd be happy to do so after the Arkansas game and Barry got super upset and like there was a miscommunication and he started just burning bridges left and right. And Jim's like, well, I I can't do this. I can't have an insubordinate football coach, no matter who he thinks he is or how, what area we're in. So he, he fired him. Um, and that was kind of predetermined even before the Arkansas game happened. So I think the fan base at this point is, um, okay with Barry. I think Barry's probably okay with us, but I, I know he wants to beat the shit out of us and, and rub it in Jim Sturk's face. <laughs> One thing that I'm looking forward to in this game is, and I think it's kind of under the radar stat about you guys, the Tigers, is you guys are actually 36 in, in, in college football in passing offense, which, you know, not earth shattering or anything, but not bad. Definitely like a, kind of a sneaky good passing team. Uh, but you guys only have seven seven passing touchdowns on the season, which is <laughs> incredible. That is yeah. an incredible feat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm curious because I think that, you know, one of the strengths of the Arkansas defense is, you know, forcing interceptions and forcing uh, mistakes from quarterbacks, as we've seen kind of this season. But I'm kind of curious as to why you guys don't kind of pass more in the red zone. I mean, obviously you guys have a, a good or a very nice running game in Larry Roundtree, but uh, does he just hate? 
throwing the ball into the end zone towards your receivers or what's what's going on there? I mean, the the thing with the receiving core right now is that there's not a whole lot of them. There's there's three guys, Damian Hazleton, Michael Wilson, who was a former quarterback, and Kiki Chisholm. And Damian and Kiki are uh, transfers in from this year. Damian from Virginia Tech and Kiki Chisholm from Angelo State. Everyone else is really super baby young. And we're actually starting a couple of walk-ons uh, at this point. And a lot of the freshmen, the redshirt freshman receivers, all opted out and are in the transfer portal. So the receiving, I don't know, the depth is is perilous because it's either new guys who are old and not coming back or super young guys who are untested. And we have some pretty good tight ends, but they're more like the run-you-over mm-hmm. type of tight end, not the post-up and catch-the-ball tight end. My my co-host, uh, Brandon Kylie and I have been talking about using bigger receivers in the end zone, but just no one's really stepped up. The one guy who has shown that is Towski Dove, uh, and he actually only started playing about halfway through the season when Damon Hazleton got in the doghouse for reasons unknown. Once that happened and, and, and Dove took into the starting lineup, dude's taken off. Uh, 25 targets, 20 catches, 203 yards, and two touchdowns uh, through the air, so... He is getting there. There's just not a lot of proven depth there. And when you have Larry Roundtree and Tyler Beatty, um, you might as well run it <laughs> or, or run some, scheme some stuff open um, in the red zone instead of trying to toss it to someone who probably has no idea what the hell they're doing. I guess to kind of follow up on that, Larry Roundtree, I have come to dread every time we play. And I realized that this is going to be his senior night, and that's kind of a rare sight to see a four-year running back. Usually, if they have a shot at the league, they'll take that jump, and I don't, you know, I've heard good things about Larry Roundtree, at least where NFL circles are, but what is his legacy like at Mizzou? How How do we think of Larry Roundtree if we're a Mizzou fan? It's, it's, it's mixed. Um, he is the school's leading rusher as a running back. Um, he has he currently has 3,398 yards. That is second all-time in school history, but first amongst running backs. Now, we had a guy named Brad yes. Smith in the 2000s, who, uh, yeah. quarterback who ran everywhere for over like 4,000 yards, so that's not going to get passed up. So Larry is, is one of those guys that just shows like, hey, if you come and play every day, you can really make a difference. And so we... We as a fan base super appreciate everything he's done. He split the backfield uh, with a guy named Demaria Crockett, Arkansas guy, yes. mind you. <laughs> um, he's he's split the field with Ish Witter and and Tyler Beatty for the past two years. the 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 issue is is he's he's good. He's not dynamic. He's probably not going to make it in the NFL because he's too slow. But like we love what he does. It's just he did it on some garbage teams. And it's tough to stand out when when the wins aren't there, at least the statement wins aren't there. And so it's kind of like, hey, he was he was good. He was really good. And that's that's basically as far as it's going to go. Now, if he goes to the NFL and makes a name for himself, well, God, you know, we'll we'll all be swooning over the memories of Larry Roundtree running through Faroe. But I think at this point it's going to be like, hey, thanks, man. That was really great. And then you just kind of move on and forget <laughs> that he's number two all time. <laughs> Uh, for, uh, yeah, 
it's a bummer to be like to accomplish something like that to be I mean to be number two on your school's all time leading rusher and to have that sort of like yeah he was pretty good but he's not gonna make it in the NFL like <laughs> there's a little bit of a almost not a disconnect there but it just and I'm a little surprised to hear how mixed it is but I mean it makes sense he's not an explosive talent he's just a steady running back um, who can gain yards and scores touchdowns so I mean that's a a pretty good recap um, I just I think it's like for Tucker and I, when I think of Larry Roundtree, I think of him just being really good against Arkansas. So to me, he's <laughs> a little more heightened to even people that root for him. Yeah, I don't think he's uh, never lost to Arkansas. So it's no, it's uh, at least yeah. that much he's done. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he just it's again, he showed up for four years. He got he split starts his freshman year and then he's just been part of it the entire time. Actually, the guy who's number 10 on our all time list is a guy named Ish Witter, who I also mentioned in this. He Same thing. He was just here for four years. That was his magical skill. He wasn't super great. He got a little bit better as time went on, cracked the top 10 all time just by getting carries freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year and. In the era where we're at, where the talented ones leave early, sometimes all you got to do is just be pretty good and stick around four years. Yeah, that's a good strategy. Um, This is going to sound like a mean question, but it's not mean, I promise, uh, or mean-spirited. I mean, as an Arkansas fan and as someone that follows SEC football, I will be honest, I have not really kept up with Missouri this year. I've noticed when they've won. Um, like, I, you know, I, I keep up with all college football and especially SEC football, but, you know, you know, I'm obviously biased towards the Hogs, and I kind of keep an eye on, like, those national title contenders like Alabama and Florida this year, but I don't invest a lot of time in every SEC school just to, because they're in the SEC. Sure. And I knew Mizzou was kind of coming into the same sort of season as Arkansas. And I'm sure a lot of people around, you know, SEC football before the Hogs started winning were feeling the same way about the Hogs and even probably still feel that way about the Hogs. I'm like, yeah, good for them, but I'm not paying attention to it. I'll never learn their roster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, who cares? Um, but so I, this question is mostly for people like me who are aware of Missouri and are aware that they have a new coach in, in Drinkwitz and and are aware that we're playing a game this weekend, but maybe don't know what exactly you guys bring to the table. What should Hawk fans like me and people listening to the show, what should we look for on the Mizzou team as far as some highlights on your offense and on the defensive side of the ball? Just some, maybe some guys to watch or just some things that you guys do well. Yeah. So the Missouri offense is, is completely predicated on the run and the running attack is usually just kind of handed off to Larry, but Drinkwitz likes to utilize a lot of pre-snap motion especially with our slot receiver, Jalen Knox. So he likes to basically have him run across the line real quick. You know, you've seen it where the slot receiver bounces back, runs you know, from the short side of the field to the, to the far side. The ball is snapped right when he passes the quarterbacks. So like there's that twinge of, ooh, I can hand it off, maybe not. And then if the read is right, they hand it off to Larry. If it's not, then they turn around and flip it to Jalen and he runs. So like it's not – it's a not – complicated there's just a lot of movement and you got to be very disciplined so we like to use that Connor Bazelak our quarterback he's not going to light you up he only goes downfield a couple times per game but he is really 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 accurate he's had four games so far with an 80 percent completion percentage and he just figures out where you're not and it's not like doesn't blow you away it's just really really frustrating I'm assuming for the opponents to just like another third down Really? You couldn't cover that guy? You couldn't cover the, the walk-on white receiver? Okay, cool. But it's all scheme, and like he just makes the right read. Um, so you're going to see a lot of running with Larry. They like to use Tyler Beatty, who's our backup running back, uh, in the receiving game a lot. He likes to run a lot of wheel routes, so if that's a 
thing that you like. <laughs> we got plenty of that to serve. Um, but on defense, I do love a good wheel route. Oh, I'll say that it's just I'm a big fan. A good a wheel back route, out of the backfield wheel route. Come on. Oh, it's it's sexual, and <laughs> I just oh, it just makes me so happy. Uh, and and Tyler's very good at that. He's very very fast. You're not going to see him run up the middle, but he will he will move around. On defense, it's it's a little bit of a different story. Nick Bolton is is the dude. Uh, he is our starting weak side linebacker. He will be in the NFL next year. Uh, he needs he should be in the NFL this year, but he's only a junior, so uh, he is all over the place. He makes double digit tackles basically every single game. He is always around the ball. So if you're going to see number thirty two in dreads, that is Nick Bolton. He will be uh, probably making your NFL team very sad in the in the very near future. Uh, the defensive line is under under man. <laughs> we they had a lot of COVID <laughs> issues uh, kind of going into the season. Uh, and there's everyone's an upperclassman. It's another one of those bifurcated classes. Like the receivers, same thing. You have a lot of old dudes, uh, and then you got a lot of young guys. And the old dudes got COVID, so there's a bunch of walk-ons on that point. But they've been performing really well, and it's mostly because of the scheme. So. Ryan Walters, our defense coordinator, likes to run a 4-2-5, so four defensive linemen, two linebackers, five defensive backs, but he uses three, four defensive line personnel. So he uses three, basically, defensive tackles, and then a, an edge rusher, which we call the buck. So you get a 3-4 defensive line, you got two linebackers, and you got five defensive backs. And that's mainly because we don't have enough to guys to field the <laughs> defensive line. Um, but it's also because all of our defensive linemen are really big dudes, uh, except for a handful who are the rush ends. So that's going to be your Trey Williams, Trajan Jeffcoat, stuff like that. They're not super pressure oriented. Uh, Jeffcoat is basically the only one who can hit home, uh, but they control the line really well. The stars outside of Nick Bolton are going to be your, our defensive backs or safeties. Uh, Tyree Gillespie, Joshua Bledsoe will be in the NFL next year. They are hard hitting safeties. Josh likes to play the pass a lot more. Tyree, always knocks some dude like unconscious every single game. It's fantastic. Uh, and then Martez Manuel, the young guy from Columbia, he's, he's kind of the third in that group and he's really coming to his own this season. So we've got, you know, some really good talent on the defense. It is our strength by far. Um, although they are strapped for depth, but they, Ryan Walters is an excellent coordinator. He will probably be a head coach very, very soon somewhere else. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just one of those, you know, really the defense kind of plays field position, grinds you into into paste and, and makes makes you punt and the offense does enough to lean on you and get a field goal get a touchdown here and there and and, and that's it so it's not pretty but uh we'll take it because it works so far to kind of talk about mizzou as a whole as a whole team i think you guys have been kind of the surprise team in the east where arkansas has been the surprise team in the west what is the biggest difference in your mind as a Missouri fan and as someone who's very, obviously very knowledgeable? What's the biggest difference between 2020 Mizzou and 2019 Mizzou that, you know, other than it's a different head coach? <laughs> well, uh, uh, Derek Dooley is in our offensive coordinator, which is a huge improvement. Oh, my God. We love that. <laughs> I just this this team looks prepared. And that's so stupid to say because i mean i don't know if you've ever you know walked through football facilities or anything in the past 20 years the amount of tape that they have the amount of practice things that they have for them the amount of things that you can learn i don't know how any team ever loses a game but they these guys they don't commit a lot of penalties they have a plan oh my god like the offensive play calling makes sense 
They they do things to set up other things, which is so novel after the past two years. Um, and like, you know, for for the past four years, Barry Odom was a coach, you know, a player's coach. Like everybody loved him. Everybody wanted to fight for him and play for him, but they didn't know how to win. They didn't know what that was, and Barry Odom didn't know how to how to get the most out of his guys. Um, so many times we get these stud freshmen, you know, these under the under the uh, diamonds in the rough kind of freshmen, and and they would work their way to the starting lineup, and you go, oh my god, that's that's great, we got freshmen starting, and then the next year comes around, and then that freshman from 2016 don't know where he is, but there's a freshman <laughs> from 2017. Oh my god, get excited yeah, again! <laughs> and then we just play that game over and over. It's like really, so like all the guys who've been here for three years, they're not developing is what you're telling me. And like, it's all the new guys. And and he just rode that raw athleticism with an offense that had no plan of attack. Um, you know, the, the scripted plays were okay, but when it came down to improvising in the second and fourth quarter, it was just like, Oh, uh, I don't know, throw it over there. <laughs> and so just like, chuck it just <laughs> it made no sense, but drink draws things up. It's like, you're going to see these callbacks. You'll see the 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 flip to Jalen, flip to Jalen, and then boom, we're running it. Or, you know, Larry right, Larry right, Larry right, and then it's like a counter left, and then we built a, a tight end hitch off of it. Like, there's so much educated play calling is is this the way I'm going to put it in an execution that we haven't seen. And you know, obviously for you guys, you've seen that Barry's defenses execute really well. They play way above uh, their weight level. He just he couldn't do that for a team. And and so when you see a competent play caller, a competent staff that can get their players ready and everyone's in the right position, I mean, coaches anonymously are saying, hey, Mizzou, we don't want to play them anymore. <laughs> like, they know what they're doing. And that's about the best compliment that you can get. I got a question. Uh, we put you on the spot, and or you put us on the spot on your pod asking us to make the case for uh, – <laughs> Eli Drinkwitz as coach of the year, and you did the same for Sam Pittman. So we're going to do a little bit of that here. Uh, just some battle today. line so, gamesmanship. What will it, some battle line gamesmanship, little mind games, make you kind of see things from our side of the field. Uh, what's it going to take for Arkansas to win this game? And then we, of course, will make the case <laughs> for Mizzou. I like it. So here's here's kind of the weaknesses as far as I see them. Um, Missouri's defensive backfield. I talked about the safeties. I didn't mention the corners. There's a reason for <laughs> that. Okay. Uh, the, the corners that we have, Jarvis Ware is a junior, and he is kind of the starting CB1. The second guy is a guy named Enos Rakestraw, who was highly touted um, towards the end of his high school career. In fact, Alabama offered him late, and we almost lost him, but he picked Missouri uh, on signing day. He is He's the number two. And everyone else is some version of freshman, whether it's true or red shirt. The corners can be taken advantage of. Uh, what Whether it's they're getting burned and committing holding penalties or they're just straight up getting burned and, and you're getting a touchdown, like that that can happen. Uh, so it would be really important for, for Kendall Bryles to not get cute with the triple option running bullshit and like actually throw the <laughs> ball. Um I, 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 your receivers, I know you don't have a lot that are super good, but they are very good. And if, you know, Ryan Walters likes to play a lot of man, and if Jarvis or Enos are getting taken advantage of, there's not a whole lot of other options out there. So 
the 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 Arkansas passing attack needs to click, and I know that's your guys' strength anyway. But you can test them deep, and you can try and do some creative route concepts, and maybe get your large adult son involved in the zone busting scheme. <laughs> um, Blake Kern, our large football son, baby. Shout out to like, Blake. I, we I, love I, him. I think you could really scheme him open, and he can do some damage. So it's got to be through the air, and it doesn't need to be that that short stuff. You can you can test him deep. As far as Mizzou's offense, if you shut down the run, it's it's not super great. Like we can we can counter punch a little bit, but our passing attack is is merely okay because it doesn't have the deep threat. And so if you're making us pass, you know it's going to be the medium to short stuff. And if you can prepare for medium to short stuff, that's a lot easier and you can do a lot more zone cloud coverage. And I feel like you can just totally gum up the works. That's what Florida did. That's what Alabama did. Obviously, you guys aren't Florida or Alabama, but Barry knows what he's doing. And and I I think on the level that Todd Grantham or Nick Saban are. So I think that you all have the the scheme and the ability to gum up the works on Mizzou's offense. And if Bryles can can scheme up some good passing concepts, especially the downfield stuff, uh, I absolutely think you can you can do some damage. Saul, I'm going to ask you to be a Missouri fan now. How the heck are you going to win? If you want to beat the Arkansas Razorbacks, if you're the Missouri Tigers, there's a couple things you can do. One, you already have a head start in that Rakeem Boyd will be playing. We are going to be leaning on Traylon Smith as our lead back. Um, And while Traylon Smith has played well, and has shown bursts, he is not necessarily a lead back right now. Now, that doesn't mean he can't get there, but as we've seen this season, when it comes to kind of leaning on him to provide run support and, or excuse me, to like run the ball well and and do those sort of things, he's even missed a couple key kind of pass blocks for Felipe a couple times and has ended up with a couple sacks because of that. So you already have, if you can contain him, which I don't think is necessarily hard to do, it's going to force Felipe Franks to throw the ball. Granted, Felipe Franks is pretty good, and our wide receivers are our strength here. Felipe Franks getting the ball to, you know, Mike Woods or Traylon Burks or Blake Kern. Like, he's going to get the ball. He's going to spread the ball around, um, which is good. But you were talking about, you know, your defensive backfield, and you have some strength there. So if if the... Defensive secondary can guard Mike Woods and Traylon Burks long enough to get allow your defensive front, which I know you said is depleted, but if they can get some pressure on Felipe Franks, one of his main weaknesses this season has been his inability to live to fight another day and throw the ball away. He takes sacks or tries to make plays that aren't necessarily there. He is a pretty good athlete in that he can run um, and kind of scramble around, but he's not fast. He's not a burner. He's not going to out-juke you or anything like that. You're going to – you kind of get what you get with his running ability. So if you guys can kind of play defense well enough to just to kind of guard Mike Woods and Traylon Burks and prevent them from busting open some big plays um, and he can get some pressure on Felipe, he he will take a sack. And, you know, that's not great. Um, time of possession is, is important for Arkansas. Holding onto the ball is key to not letting you guys have the ball and run and pound and keep time of possession as well because I know that's what you guys like to do. Another thing that you guys can do is – if you guys don't have, and I, this is this seems like a pretty obvious one, but Arkansas defense, while forcing a lot of turnovers, they also kind of rely on them. If we don't have a turnover in our game, we're kind of in danger sometimes. We need a turnover. 
um, we need a, an interception or a fumble recovery. If you guys can take care of the football and keep it away from us by just running and grounding and pounding for a long time, you got a pretty good shot to win this game because when our defense can't get off the field, we start to bend and then eventually we break. And we, we've seen that in a couple places. And, um, if you guys can force us to throw on third down and, and force three and outs, which I mean, happened last game, we saw we were over 15 on third down. Like we're not That's a great so third bad. down team at all. So if you guys can, yeah, if you guys can get us to third down, you're yeah. in pretty good yeah. shape. So basically, just uh, allow Kendall Bryles to do his thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just just let Kendall Bryles cook let it, the office. Let him cook. <laughs> <laughs> I want to take a moment to move quickly to Mizzou basketball. Uh, obviously, had the big win against number twenty-one Oregon. And earlier this week, we did a kind of our season preview of basketball and brought in a guy who's known around these parts for writing about basketball, Ben Brandon. And he is incredibly high on Missouri as kind of a team to watch for and one that, you know, some are saying could make some noise. Make noise. I guess, why do you think that the Tigers could be a team to watch this year? Well... I will I will openly and happily admit that I am I am basketball stupid, but I do enjoy watching Missouri basketball team and I know a little bit about what's going on. And the biggest thing with this version of the Tiger basketball team is that they are old. They are <laughs> old and they've been playing together for a long time. Uh Conzo Martin does not get, you know, starry eyed with the five star blue chippers that jump to the NBA immediately, minus Michael Porter Jr. his first year. Um, he has been very deliberate in his roster construction. And so the guys that are starting who have been doing this for two years. This is like their third year together. Uh Jeremiah Tillman's been here for four years. Uh he's our kind of a defensive swatter inside guy and, and he's been he was dominant against uh Oregon and he's just uh, it's been incredible. And we got Xavier Pinson, one of our guards Dude just plays like his shorts are on fire all the time. Uh, he really kind of came into his own last year, uh, kind of middle of the season because of some injuries. So he's not a very good practice player apparently, but like he distributes well, he hits the three well, and like we're kind of a guard centric lineup uh, with with Tillman in the middle. And you know they've they've played this style for a couple years now. They've gone the rounds in the SEC. They've taken their lumps and. Really, I think everyone's kind of banking on the fact that they're older than the average SEC roster, more experienced than the average SEC roster, and assuming that you know Conzo can can put them together and, and make a run, especially in this weird ass season where <laughs> maybe teams shouldn't be ranked when they are. <laughs> like, what's going on? So, um, yeah, if they can take advantage of it, you know, they certainly got the experience and the and the depth to do it. Uh. That was very in depth for a guy who claimed to be basketball yeah, stupid. If you're uh, stupid, <laughs> well, you gotta we gotta take a, a look at what you think being basketball stupid is. Uh, but that no, that's that makes sense. You guys are pretty guard heavy uh, <laughs> offense there, or offense the way you guys run the ball uh, mm-hmm. and run run the way the ball runs through the Missouri Tiger team. But yeah, I think they're a fun team to to watch this year, and it's always fun when your team is kind of considered like a dark horse and. You know, mm-hmm. there's something to be said about, you know, five-star studs and, you know, freshman phenoms, but there's also something to be said about a experienced, cohesive group that's been playing together for a long time. And, you know, mm-hmm. as we've as college basketball has evolved, it's it's not that anymore. It's really kind of rare to see a team like that. But 
I think having a team like that on on your on your side is going to be pretty good for a run through the SEC this season. So I'm excited to see what Mizzou does um, and see how they play this it year. It does allow for some noise making. Potentially making some noise, folks. <laughs> the needle is moving on the make some noise meter. Uh, what happened with uh, with Mike Anderson? That was that's another one of those Mizzou coaches that you guys took back. Like I thought he was going to just kill it with you guys, and now he's at St. John's. What the heck happened there? Oh, I could wax for days. That's a whole um, that's a whole separate pod. <laughs> but uh, to briefly summarize, I think that the Mike Anderson era actually was perfect for what it was in the sense that when he came in, we were in the wilderness of basketball, having taken kind of some flyers on some previous assistants in Stan Heath and John Pelfrey, and they just weren't head coach material. Mm-hmm. And uh, to follow Nolan Richardson, who was our national title winning coach, mm-hmm. uh, where Mike served as an assistant for, I think, 15 years. Yeah. Um, he did what was necessary in pulling us out of the wilderness, but could never quite get over the next hump. I think that Arkansas fans have some pretty high expectations for basketball, but rightfully so if you look at the history. And I personally, I think it's a sort of situation like Barry Odom, if not more uh, good-willed, I guess. There is no bad blood. I think most Arkansas fans are excited to see him kind of doing well up at St. John's, and I think that a lot of them will welcome him back uh if he you know decides to attend some games or something but it was just one of those situations where the time was right and you know it, it, it's b- best for both parties to uh what what is the Gwyneth Paltrow thing conscientiously uncouple oh my god <laughs> did you just goop this podcast i gooped we're actually part of the goop network i don't know if you knew that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we have some cool candles for you to check out. And a yoni egg for your wife. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> um, what One final question that we have, kind of the mystery. And it's important. It's important. It's kind of what wraps this whole rivalry thing in a nice little bow. Is mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if it's intentional. I don't know if it's out of ignorance. I don't know if it's out of malice. But I know that it happens. And we got to ask you, Nate, why can no one on any Missouri team ever, pronounce Arkansas, the state. Why do they struggle so mightily to just say the word Arkansas? Why is it Arkansas? Why is it them stumbling over it? What is what is going? What are they teaching in Columbia? What is going on there? So there's a little state to the west <laughs> of Missouri <laughs> called Kansas. Okay. First time hearing sure. of it, but okay, I'll take your word for it. I'll play. I'll bite. I'll believe I'll it. Bite. We we. <laughs> As states, Missouri and Kansas grew up murdering the shit out of each other for about <laughs> three years. And so there's there's a lot of hostile hostile feelings between the two states that still exist, especially in the Kansas City area. And so for us, it's always, you know, growing up especially, it was, all right, well, you know, if you got to beat somebody, you got to beat Kansas. And there was, there's, we're not good teams for a long time, but towards the end we were, and it was yeah. really awesome to to have some awesome battles against them, especially in Kansas City, and and get that rivalry going. So, what you got to understand that as Missouri fans, we are very simple people. <laughs> if you want us to get riled up about something, just say something, Kansas. <laughs> and because we want to 
we want to belong. We want to we want to play play along with our new SEC friends. We're trying to get into this rivalry, man. Like we we want it. We want to have cool trophies. We want to have meaningful games. Uh, and I, I'm assuming you guys do too. But it's kind of like you know, it's like it's like our parents were best friends and they sat us together and they thought we were going to hit it off. And like, you smell like feet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to play with you anymore. I'm <laughs> so. Good. So like we we just keep hanging out and like I think it's getting there. Obviously, you know, you've had two of our old coaches. We've had great games in 14 and 17. So like I think we can get there between football and basketball. It's just not there yet. So in a in a way to kind of uh juice the rivalry a little bit. We we've, we've kind of coached it in this Arkansas. I was like, "Well, it's, it's not Kansas, but it's Arkansas." And and you know, kind of like AR Kansas, but also O-U-R, Kansas. This yeah. is our SEC, Kansas. Okay. So we're we're trying to get on board, but I, I you know, to me, um, uh, you know, why why isn't why isn't it pronounced Kansas? Because <laughs> weren't you all first? Yes. Yeah, we were. So really, I, I feel like we have to take this opportunity to just ask the state of Kansas what it's doing. What's going on there? What's your deal? solid question at any given moment? Yeah. What, what the are you hell doing, is going on there? I think too is that I mean to be fair, uh, Kansas and Missouri that was the original battle line rivalry. I'm sure, I think it was called something different. It was, but like that's it was the, called the border war. The border war. That's right. And I know, mm-hmm. I know, like that was a big deal. Like especially, man, back in the day, that used to be like a, a huge basketball rivalry as well on top mm-hmm. of football. Like just overall, Absolutely. you guys hated each other, and that was I remember mm-hmm. that was very fun. And it feels like people were like, well, you guys, there's no way for you guys to match up anymore since you're out of the Big 12. So let's take the next best thing. This state has Kansas in the name. Let's give it a shot. <laughs> like, why not? Let's, I'm sure it'll be the same thing. And then yeah. we've just kind of, like you said, just been like put at the kids' table at Thanksgiving and been like, y'all make some small talk. And we're like, we don't have anything to talk about. Thank you, though. <laughs> I, again, it, it just takes time. I, I think at this point – I think most Mizzou fans think South Carolina is our rival, our SEC rival, just because there's been some nasty stuff both on and off the the playing field. Uh, so we, we certainly enjoy beating them the most. But you know, let's let's revisit this in five five years. You know, five more games on football. You know, what ten more games in basketball? Like, I think we can have a pretty good history uh, of of some malice, some good some good games and some some questionable finishes and and just ire of losing to the to you guys or you losing to us that it'll it'll set in but uh for right now it's just kind of goofy and and you get a trophy out of it anyway that's that's pretty cool you do get a trophy and uh it's certainly a trophy (laughs) thank you so much for joining us nate uh it's always a pleasure to talk with you and i it's yeah i think that as the years go on uh we may look forward to these conversations but hopefully uh some malice starts to grow (laughs) between uh the battle lines if if you will yeah and i will i would love to get some actual bad blood going you know i don't I don't dislike. How do even? I don't even know if I dislike Missouri. It's just. It's like that scene of in Mad Men when he's like, "I feel bad for you," and he's like, "I don't think about you at all." It's like that's kind of how I feel about Missouri. It's like okay, like yeah, we're playing them cool. It's just another people on our schedule, and it just you know, we do take it. You know, we do kind of poke fun at it, and but at the same time, it's a football game on a SEC schedule, and it's a, usually a pretty good game regardless of how good or bad the teams are. So I'm trying to take a little less cavalier attitude towards it and kind of get into it. But I think it would help if like 
there was like a little more bad blood or like some sort of grudge that a team could hold because these forced rivalries where you try to generate animosity just never work out because people, the fans and even the players are kind of like, I, yeah, I guess I hate uh, Missouri. Is that? Yeah, sure. Like, <laughs> I'm mad about it. Let's play the game. So here's here's what we can do. And I think I think it starts with us. I think we got to be stop being so damn nice to each other. And I think <laughs> if if we don't die in the next 12 months, that's a promise that we're all three going to make. Yeah. As long as we don't die in the next 12 months. Next time we do this, we need to do some slam poetry <laughs> about how stupid we all are in each other's eyes. Uh, that, so come up I with can some... think of nothing more wonderful uh, than that. <laughs> nothing would make me angrier than express... slam poetry. So, yeah, that'll get my book going. <laughs> I am heartbroken, of course, that this game will not be played in Arrowhead. Was oh, really looking forward God. to that. Yeah. But it will be in Columbia bright and early on Saturday morning. Ugh. And goodness gracious, here we go. It is the battle line rivalry once again. Nate. Thanks so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. You can find him on Rock M Nation and on their podcast. Is there anything else you would like to plug? Uh, you can follow me on the Twitter machine. I'm at Nate G. Edwards. I tweet about football, and that might be it. Good follow. He's a good follow. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I do my best. Sometimes I record or I send out videos of my toddler saying something stupid. Uh, like she was saying wheel route last Saturday, so I tweeted that out. Uh, but other than that, it's football and football adjacent stuff. So it's always a fun follow. Thanks again. Saul, do you have any last words? Uh, as per usual, thank you for listening and a big F you to the SEC office or SEC office for the 11 a.m. kickoff. That is a 9 a.m. wake up call for your boy out here in California. So I will be drinking alcohol at 830 to get ready. <laughs> Folks, why don't we do a little day drinking? I've been Tucker Partridge. This has been Hogging the Mic. See ya after the battle line rivalry. Presented by Shelter Insurance.